principles of practice in the 21. KBU, TLC, make it learn and fun. Vision 2023 is our vision. Be on the chalkboard, making tech a mission. Moodle and Kalachura working while you type. Using tech to change your world is more profound than hype. Expand the learner's mind until the future gives us power. Learn how people use that tech, I'll show you in an hour. Be on the chalkboard, moving towards a better way to teach you learn to be. Be on the chalkboard, moving towards a better world. The stars of the TLC. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Chalkboard Season 3. I am your host, Dr. Gordon Cobb, and I am joined today by my colleagues, Dr. Shauna Tekis and Sarah Duncan. Say hello, you two. Hello. Hello. So I'm very excited about this episode. We are talking about mindfulness and the universal design for learning. And these are both things that are very important to me as an instructor because they really play into student engagement and student wellness. And th these are things that are, in, in particular, so important right now in you know, the COVID era that we are teaching in. So um, this is going to be a really great podcast. I'm super glad that you're here to check it out. All right, so let's get started. Um, maybe what I'll do is I'll begin, let's begin with you, Sarah. I'm going to ask you, what is mindfulness and how can it enhance learning? Okay, thanks, Gordon. Um, you know, there's a very uh, relatively well-known definition um, comes from uh, a doctor in Massachusetts on Kabat-Zinn. And he says that mindfulness is the awareness that arises by paying attention in a particular way in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So mindfulness is about noticing things. So I thought we might start with a really quick little mindfulness practice. Um, this is called the three minute breathing space. And um, I'll just invite the two of you and all our listeners to take a moment to participate. So just finding a, a comfortable place to sit, we can do this seated, put your hands in your lap if that's comfortable. Um, if you'd like, you can close your eyes or you can leave them open, both are fine. And we'll just take a moment to be aware of our current situation. What is happening for you right now? What thoughts, emotions, body sensations might be coming up for you right now? And just noticing them. not trying to push them away or analyze them, just recognizing them. The second step to this breathing space is to narrow our attention to our inner world and focus on our breathing. 
So noticing where do you feel the breath coming into your body and going out of your body? Might be at the nostrils or in the chest or in the lower abdomen. And just taking a couple of breaths, noticing that particular spot. And the final step of this breathing practice is to expand our awareness to the entire body, bringing our attention to the contact points where we have our feet on the floor, you're sitting in the chair, any sensations your body is feeling. And again, noticing what's happening for you right now without trying to change it fix it. And as we shift out of this practice, if your eyes were closed, you can open them. You can reorient your gaze to the room that you're in. Maybe stretch a little bit, move a little bit the way your body um, would like to. And that's a really quick introduction to mindfulness. And it doesn't, mindfulness doesn't have to be sitting with your eyes closed, right? There's lots of different. Um, kinds of experiences that mindfulness encompasses. And I think we're going to talk more about that today. That was great. I feel so relaxed. <laughs> that was so great. What a nice way to start a podcast. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It's so funny because, you know, like for most of the podcast, I was uh, focused predominantly on the giant zit that appeared just in time for today's podcast. Because, you know, it is the end of the term. So, like, if you're not breaking through, you're not breaking out. Um, yeah, end of term, marking, stress, COVID, moving. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so, you know, it kind of got me away from uh, uh, being insecure or, or aware of, of um, silly things like a zit and it got me into my body and into my breath and it made me smile and feel relaxed. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and that's the kind of thing you can do at any moment when you, when you are feeling like that because as you mentioned, there's so much going on for everybody. Um, this is three minutes, right? Not even three minutes. And you can just ground yourself, drop yourself into your body, and um, it brings you it brings you back to this moment, which is essentially all we have. 
Yes, it makes me miss hugs. I feel like hugging someone right now, but of course we're not allowed. So, alas. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Sarah. That was awesome. I think at the beginning of every faculty meeting, we should all be mandated to do three minutes of mindfulness. You heard it here first on Beyond the Chalkboard. <laughs> okay, um, well, let's keep this. I, I feel like I could just like make a cup of tea and chat with you both right now, but we got to keep this like moving forward. So um, I'm going to be a good host and I'm going to I'm going to maybe ask another question. So. Uh, Shauna, let's let's um, let's talk about the Universal Design for Learning. So, what is the Universal Design for Learning, or UDL, and the what's the UDL framework, and how does it help to facilitate mindfulness? Right. So um, now I have to. I I feel very relaxed, and you know, having reflected on you know what a peaceful day it is, and how happy I am to be here. Now I have to like. <laughs> I have to turn it on and get back into the technical. So, um, so universal design for learning, um, it, it's really grown out of this, this concern over um, students being excluded from the regular sort of education stream. Um, and it really relies on a lot of psychological research, uh, neuroscientific research, um, and basically the idea is this once we started to to think about how to include students in in the curriculum um you know and to design curriculum in different ways we started to see that one of the best things that we can do is is support students in becoming expert learners and there's a bunch of ways that we can we can do that so an expert learner is someone who's able to uh, reflect on their learning who is able to understand you know why they're there what's meaningful, how to solicit help, that, that sort of thing. Um, so that, that's the main goal of the Universal Design for Learning framework. Um, it focuses on considering uh, educational barriers for students and how to include those students through design, through curriculum design. Um, and there, there are three components in the UDL framework. Um, the first one is engagement, which is mainly what we're going to be focusing on around mindfulness. Um, so engagement is, you know, just as as the name suggests, it's you know, how are you, um, how are you becoming interested in something? How are you maintaining focus? Um, a key piece is what do you do when the content gets difficult or you're having a hard time in class or you're struggling in any way? How do you persevere? How do you self-regulate? There, there are those sorts of pieces of the engagement um, aspect of the framework. There, there are two other aspects of the framework that I'll just mention really briefly. Um, the other, uh, or the second one is a representation. So um, how are students representing knowledge? How are they coming to the learning space? How are they coming to the content? Is it through audio, video? Are they writing? Are they discussing? So how are they representing the information? And then the last one is action and expression. Um, so how are how are students demonstrating their learning? How are they demonstrating their knowledge? Uh, so when and this is you know this is this is really kind of new the, this kind of you know idea of you know how can mindfulness play into engagement? I guess it's both a really old idea and also a really new idea in terms of how it would be applied in in higher ed and and that's kind of the the discussion Sarah and I have been having. It's you know, how does this look in the classroom? And, you know, it's, 
it can support students, it can support faculty, um, it can support this idea of, of having a classroom ecology. Um, and, and all, you know, and I guess we'll talk about this more, but, you know, how can mindfulness support engagement? Um, and, you know, there's all sorts of ideas on, on how it can support engagement from, you know, maintaining that sort of focus to really creating, you know, that Gordon and I both described, you know, creating that sense of like, peacefulness like and Gordon I think what you said like oh I just feel like having a cup of tea and a nice chat with friends you know like that that's really really key um I feel I feel the same way so you imagine that sort of feeling transposed into the classroom uh, what that does for students what that that does for creating community what that does for the instructor like yeah so those are the really neat pieces that that's where it's such a cool, interesting mashup with mindfulness um, and and UDL, and you know, I think that's what we want to keep exploring. I think we've got a, a kind of a a neat nugget here that, again, is both very old but and also very new. Well, and, and as you know, Shauna, um, uh, the the design of season three of Beyond the Chalkboard was inspired by UDL practice in that, um, you know, last season I did just a podcast version that you can listen to. And, and then you and I have been doing a little bit of exploration around uh, different aspects of the UDL learning framework. And so I had this idea that, well, we should uh, take a multimodal approach to creating the podcast and why not do a webisode as well so now you know with the webisode i can put things like captions at the bottom or i can like highlight ideas that i think are really important using images or text and and now beyond the chalkboard has become not just a podcast but also a webisode series so there's just so many ways that that udl can change the way that you think about education whatever that education may be to you and so maybe why don't we bring both of these worlds together and I'll ask you both a question. Um, so how does mindfulness support the development of engagement in the classroom? Yeah, maybe I'll, yeah, Sarah, do you want to, because you have such neat ideas on, on how that looks in the classroom. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I, I was thinking, I was telling Shauna a story um, that happened to me many many years ago i was i was with a group on a on a trip and the trip was nearly over and we were all together in the room and the facilitator the leader of the group said oh i'm not sure if everybody here has been engaged with with our experiences and then he singled me out and said, oh, but Sarah, you're not, you're not speak, you haven't been speaking a lot or contributing a lot. And that, you know, really has stuck with me because I'm, I'm an introvert. I, I like to think I'm contemplating, I'm fully engaged, but I'm not the student who's sitting there with their hand up, you know, answering every single question or, you know, volunteering to go to the front of the room. So you know, I think there's a bit of a misnomer around this idea of what does engagement look like? And mindfulness is, is being engaged with your current situation and then allows you that space 
focus on, you know, what else is happening. It allows you to recalibrate, right, and realign. And then, you know, you're part of what's happening in the classroom. So it's, you know, we started off today with a little practice, and I've been doing that in my classes. And it's great for the students. I've gotten great feedback from them, but it's also important for me as the teacher to, to become present with my students. So that's just a couple of examples of how, um, how it can impact the classroom in a very easy way. And if I can follow up on that, I think it's, it's really interesting. You know, it, it, it's really, when we think about engagement, there's this, um, you know, there's this sort of assumption that engagement has to do with that kind of like rapt attention and participation and, you know, having lots to say and making connections and putting your hand up and, you know, all all of that sort of stuff. And, and I think that, you know, when, when we look at mindfulness and we, you know, it, it helps us look at engagement as something that can be quiet and contemplative. And so, you know, when I work with instructors, when I'm doing consultations on UDL and instructors say, you know, well, no one's talking and no one's saying anything. And it's this dreadful, crushing silence. You know, it, it gives us a way of saying, well, maybe it's not dreadful and crushing. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's it's quiet um, and it's contemplative. And, you know, maybe there can be space to have that quiet contemplation. And and I think that's a that's a really neat piece about having a mindfulness frame is to say, you know, just as you've mentioned, Sarah, it's like, well, you know, maybe my thoughts are, you know, are introverted. Maybe I'm keeping them for, and hanging on to them for a little while and sort of working on them in, in my own space, um, in, in a mindful space. And, and I think that that's, that's really, it's helpful to, you know, to kind of take a second look at what engagement might be, but it's also supportive of instructors who may be panicking that people aren't shooting their hands up <laughs> to participate, that, that, you know, sometimes quietly listening and, and taking it all in um, is, means that students are highly engaged, right? So it, it sort of expands the, it, it expands the scope, I guess, of, of what might count as, as engagement. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a neat piece. Yeah, and the other thing I was thinking is, you know, we we know pedagogically that reflective practice is so critical to developing and solidifying learning, and this this is a reflective practice, right? It's, it's mindfulness has just a, such a different term, um, but that that habit that skill that you can develop to be a reflective learner or a reflective teacher, you know, is, is fostered by being more mindful. It's so interesting. I'm, <clears throat> uh, my artist brain is just exploding like fireworks right now. Um, a couple things come to mind for me. The first is, um, as a composer, as a music person, um, th there is no music without silence. You know, if, if all you have is just like noise, it, it, it's, um, 
it, music needs to breathe and what 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 makes the music breathe is the moments of silence in between and, and if you're thinking of visual arts it's like you need negative space otherwise you know you don't have a, 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 a you're not taking a holistic approach to composition without the negative space you know so I think perhaps um, most of us tend to think like if I don't see my students having fun and expressing themselves constantly throughout class and they're not engaged but that's that's obviously not true there's you know this makes us understand that there is a more holistic approach a more uh, well-rounded approach or a more yin-yang approach to teaching where the moments of silence and contemplation are just as important as like the hands going up and the students smiling and laughing and talking to each other um, so that's the first thing. The second thing that I was thinking was um, uh, when I've been involved in in performance groups like small choirs or whatever, um, and and most of the, a lot of the actors that I know, one of the things that performers often do right before you go out onto stage is you get in a circle, you join hands, and someone takes you through what is I now understand to be a mindful practice. So usually one person will actually like bring the energy down and talk about uh, you know grounding your feet and feel roots growing into the earth and feel your breath and get into your body and that's how yeah. That's how we get focused before we go out onto the stage and kill it. You know what I mean? So um, it's it's interesting coming from the world of fine arts, performing arts practitioner into the world of academia because I'm constantly discovering uh, theoretical frameworks, philosophies that, that sort of uh, back up what I've been doing instinctively all these years as an artist. And, and that's what's so exciting for me to be in a university setting is I keep finding these new languages to talk about what I know to be true. And so uh, this is indeed a very exciting conversation for me. It is. It's it. such a cool frontier. Like it, it's, you know, like I, I don't, even though I'm, you know, a UDL expert, it, it's kind of like it, you know, when in the conversation Sarah and I have been having about mindfulness, I've, I've had that same experience. It's just, you know, it's, it's really brought to light all of these paradoxes and all these assumptions that, that we have around, around engagement. Um, and it, it's made me go back to a lot of my own experiences with mindfulness, my own experiences in classes, um, you know, my own experiences and groundedness, um, you know, sort of the work I'm doing supporting faculty, um, you know, reassuring folks that it's okay to take time, that it's okay to take space, um, you know, and especially in the pandemic, there's, with, with the stress and with the anxiety, there has to be so much more grounding work um, and sort of a return to your values and a return to yourself and a, um, a turning inward, at least for, for a little while. Um, and, you know, I think especially as faculty, it's kind of like, you're just going with your hair on fire all the time, right? Like marking <laughs> emails, what can we do better? What can we do differently? Like people are really, really, really working hard and, and sometimes taking that time to 
to turn inward and to check in with yourself and your values and feeling those those roots growing through your feet kind of thing like that's such a it's so evocative that that image um you know sometimes it's kind of there's no time for that i you know i have to do this and you know again seeing that is just so it's just so crucial that's what's breathing life right that's what's going to it's those sorts of practices that are that get us through these times of stress um so there's a real, and I think we'll probably talk about that later around wellness, but um, it's just such a key aspect of wellness. Um, there's so much concern about mental health for, for students, um, for everyone. Um, and I, I, I just think, yeah, this is where, you know, my own brain is sort of on fire thinking, you know, there's just so many different ways that mindfulness helps us rethink a lot of our pedagogy and a lot of our approach to wellness. And that's the perfect segue, Shauna, into um, my second to last question for you guys, which is like, how does mindfulness as a tool for engagement impact both student well-being and the learning outcomes of, of your course? Well, I think, I think Shauna's really alluded to this uh, about well-being. I mean, we know from, you know, there's thousands now of research um, studies on mindfulness, you know, it's, it's burgeoning. Um, and we know that it helps with, with self-regulation, co-regulation, um, wellness, you know, some people say happiness, um, although that's a, a nebulous term, but we know that we know from you know MRIs and and brain scans that the brains of people who practice mindfulness change and are different and are you know and they report a greater capacity for for well-being and I think if we could if we could give that to our students and our colleagues um wouldn't wouldn't we have a much happier world um you know really this it, it it isn't just about you know oh i'm gonna sit on my cushion and close my eyes and breathe for a while right the better that we are the, the more well we are we can then bring that into our world right and um Teachers, we have such a huge influence on our students that I think the more grounded we are, the the better the better we can be when we come to the classroom. So I think it's you know it's the circle of of wellness that that just can keep growing, um, and it helps people learn about themselves. Right? I mean, the noticing part that we talked about at the very beginning. Things, things can come up during the course of a, of a moment in meditation or a moment of mindfulness. And it allows you to examine that and not just react to it. And so it, it creates an opportunity for people to be more, to respond more thoughtfully to their lives. So yes, yeah, social, emotional learning, emotional intelligence, um, you know, all of these aspects are 
are sort of baked into all the different ways that you can practice mindfulness. And I, I think, Sarah, you were saying too that you've had um, you've had a, a bunch of students, like a, a number of students who've who've come back to you, um, you know, really excited about the mindfulness piece in in your classes, um, and they they just found it super helpful. Yeah, yeah. very much yeah. so. And and I I actually posted a little YouTube video of that practice that we did at the very beginning, and I've had students, you know, students who have COVID or their families have COVID and they've come back to me and said, oh yeah, I'm doing that practice every day. I'm going back and I'm looking at that every day. So there's a tiny thing you can do in your classroom that can have huge ripple effects. Amazing, amazing. So um, why don't we wrap this one up? If, if um if KPU faculty or any of our millions of fans outside of KPU want to learn more about mindfulness or the universal design for learning, what uh, sorts of resources would, would you suggest? Well, I'm going to do a little uh, shameful self-promotion. Yes. Uh, I'm going to be leading um, three more um, workshops. So it'll be May 20th, May 27th, and May 31st here at KPU, of course, on Zoom. Um, and you don't have to be an experienced meditator. You can be a total beginner. Come to any or all. Um, and you'll see those on uh, today at KPU. So keep your eyes out for that and come and join us. Or you can email me. All right, and Dr. Takis? Well, um, so if you're, if you're interested in following up, um, Sarah and I did uh, an interview uh, for the blog that I run, <laughs> um, UDL at, at KPU. So that's, that's where we first, uh, first had our initial talks. And um, I first, you know, was very excited. And as I wrote in the blog, um, to formally sort of dip a toe into um, mindfulness and engagement in the UDL framework. So you can find that on uh, UDL at KPU. Um, if you're interested in learning more about universal design for learning um, at KPU, uh, there's a bunch of blog posts that, that I've written on uh, Friday Morning Coffee, which is the Teaching and Learning Commons blog. Um, and then if you're interested in, in finding out more, there's, there's lots and lots of resources um, I put together um, with a colleague at the Justice Institute, uh, we did a module on UDL for BC Campus, which you can look up. Um, and yeah, you can uh, give me a call. <laughs> there's, uh, there's all sorts of resources. Um, the, CAST, uh, the CAST group in the US, um, there's the Include Collaboratory. Um, so there, there's lots and lots and lots of resources on, on UDL. Um, and, and it's my hope that, you know, this, 
this sort of piece on mindfulness, UDL, wellness, that that we'll continue working on this. Um, if you have other ideas on this, please, please, please get in touch with Sarah or me. Um, and yeah, we, we'd love to talk about it more. It's, uh, it's ripe for development and growth and all sorts of interesting stuff is afoot. So please get in touch by all means. And perhaps, you know, I'll just shamelessly plug the uh, blog post that Shauna and I put together around the action and expression component of the UDL framework, which is also on the Friday morning coffee blog site, and it's super sassy and fun. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any final words, ladies? Well, I would just like to say thanks for having us. I, I, I'm just so pleased that we could do this. Um, and I'm really glad that we've had the opportunity to just have a really good chat and to kind of, um, you know, they're, they're new ideas and um, kind of new directions. And it's nice to just to be able to kind of play in the sandbox. So thank you so much for having us. Yeah, I, I agree. Thank you so much, Gordon. And um yeah, it's wonderful to see such supportive colleagues and um, have an opportunity to chat about this. So, you know, I really hope to hear from people in the future and see you at the workshops and um, hopefully spread some mindfulness. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure that our audience has as well. And this is the final episode of Beyond the Chalkboard Season 3. So I want to thank everybody for joining us for this experimental season in the COVID era, in the Universal Design for Learning Enhanced era of Beyond the Chalkboard. And um, we will be sure to list all of the resources that Sarah and Shauna uh, mentioned in the notes section of the podcast and the webisode. So um, thank you, Sarah and Shauna, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'll see you online. Define the principles of practice in the 21. KBU TLC, make a learning fun. Vision 2023 is our vision. Is our vision. Chalkboard, making tech a mission. Moodle and Kaltura working while you type. Using tech to change your world is more profound than hype. Expand the learner's mind into the future gives us power. Learn how people use that tech. I'll show you in an hour. Be on the chalkboard, moving towards a better way to teach you learn to be. Be on the chalkboard, moving towards a better world. The stars of the TLC. World of Polytechnic University. Teaching and learning.